I wasn't sure I'd ever uh, step out and do my own thing. It took this place to do it. And it is Virginia Tech. This isn't some rinky-dink-ass program. I don't know if I could follow that one up. I'm yelling into the void, and that's what I like doing. <laughs> Pete, nobody's looking at your tweets. We're going to recruit our footprint, and we're going to work our tails off to bring those Virginia kids to Blacksburg. Those situations are the worst when you are on top yeah. of another guy. The relationships are very important to me. That's what this place is built on. That's your boy. That's your judge of character. I'm going to end up in a Columbia prison. At 95 Miami, is, is my fondest name. And maybe the experience after the Sugar Bowl with Wes Worsham and J.C. Price on Bourbon Street. <laughs> Come on, J.C. I want to know what you're drinking, Robbie. It is roasty goodness, even though I was out. What's the percent on that? 11. It was a dream come true back then, and it's a dream come true today. Hey, Mom, why don't you try a rail? We're going to put this old guy in a grave. For the love of the game. And I mowed the lawn after work before the podcast. Mm, we just got better, guys. Welcome to Too Deep, Hokies Under the Influence, brought to you by Downtown Crown Wine and Beer and Dominion Wine and Beer. My name is Pete Berthaud, and my co-host is Robbie Dowling. Robbie, we could not hold on for the victory. Virginia Tech lost to NC State 22-21. to It was a painful one, man. How you doing? I'm surviving. That was a, that was a rough one. Here's, here's where we're at. So it was Halloween, and the other night I was watching a horror movie, like one of those terrible horror movies on TV, and it was not Halloween night. It was the night before because I watch just terrible horror movies all the time, and it was this really <laughs> bad one. And here is where it relates to Hokie fans. I want everybody to feel better because we're at this part. Somebody's going to lose their legs in this horror film, so they have to, like, amputate them. Obviously, with no anesthesia, they're, like, out in the wilderness, and they, like, smash it, like, his leg with a rock to, like, break the bones in it. And then he screams, and then all of a sudden he goes into shock, and then there's just no more pain. So that's where we're at. We're at the shock phase. Like, <laughs> there's no more pain anymore. We've seen it all. So everybody can coast through the rest of this season and feel good. Yeah, you can happily cut our legs off because we will not feel a thing. We, you know, the body has taken over and we are in full shock at this point. So that's where we're at. Is that your cheers? That's uh, I, I might as well make that. I'll, you want to cheers to full shock? Yeah, let's let's cheers to being in shock. Cheers, yeah, man. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's fitting, dude. And uh, yeah, I love I love some of the Halloween movies, like the actual Halloween, like the main movie, Michael Myers. Uh, I enjoy that one. And I do like to be scared a little bit. I'm not a huge horror movie person. Yeah, I don't know. Something happened to me like middle of my I never was. And then like, I think when I just started to see all the horror and terribleness in the world right around like, you know, age 22, I started really liking horror movies. That's that's like when it like it coincides yeah. with when you started to to work for a living. Yeah, when I, yeah, <laughs> with work and general observations of uh of life and if it, like if I had made it this to this point in my life to see this season transpire and that game transpire, then I would probably start watching horror films. Yeah. Well, how about we start and switch the topic to some fun news? We have the playoff rankings, and you know who's number one, Robbie? That would be uh, Hendon Hooker's uh, Tennessee Volunteers. That is correct. Tennessee is number one. They are in front of Ohio State. Georgia's actually three. So even though the AP poll has a one-versus-two matchup this week in Georgia-Tennessee, 
It's actually a one versus three if you look at the playoff rankings. But nevertheless, that's a huge game. I can't wait to watch it. It's going to be real fun. Clemson came in at number four on the playoff rankings. Michigan and Alabama just outside at five and six. But one before we get to the ACC stuff, LSU, number 10 yeah. in these playoff rankings. They've It, it was ugly early, and um, Brian Kelly has them rolling a little bit, I guess. This is the only way I can you know, address that. He is that good. We've seen Notre Dame flounder just a little bit uh, without him. Of course, they got a big win over Syracuse this weekend, but he is the real deal, man. He's a very good coach. We make fun of him a lot. People love to make fun of him because of the way he looks and the fake accent that he did when he got to LSU or whatever. But uh, man, he can coach some football. We have UNC at number 17. That's the same as the AP poll. And then we go into the 20s for the rest of the teams. We've got Syracuse sitting at number 20, Wake 21 coming off a brutal loss to Louisville. And NC State, the team that we just narrowly lost to, is at number 22, which is the amount of points they scored. Wow. That <laughs> One is... more than us. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's tough. Anyway, yeah, it was a weird weekend in college football. I mean, Ohio State, they got their – they beat Penn State, which a lot of people had assumed, but the way they did it was unique. They scored like four touchdowns in six minutes or something. Yeah. Uh, that Louisville game was bizarre. Wake turned it over a ton. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think if there's anything else. I mean, Notre Dame kind of just took care of business at Syracuse. And later in the week, I know when we recorded the podcast, I picked Syracuse to cover three and a half. But once it got to Wednesday or Thursday, I started to think about body blow. I started to think about coming down off coming so close mm-hmm. to beating Clemson and that that might have not gone well for them against Notre Dame the following week. And it didn't go well. Yeah. Notre Dame's kind of sneaky, turned it around a little bit uh, for them. So they have, they got a loss against Marshall at home. um, And then they have a a loss against Ohio state and that's it. Right. I think those are the only two losses that they have. Right. They lost to someone else. Embarrassing. Who was it? It it was, uh, I'll come up with it. Oh, yeah. But they're not in the top 25. Got it. it so. there must have been UCF a is actually one. number 25. Yeah, there must have been a third one that they lost to. Let's move to uh, the depth chart injury update. Uh, this weekend, Malachi, in addition to Dorian Strong, are both doubtful for the game. That is not great, considering this is one of our best chances for a win throughout the rest of the year playing Georgia Tech. But Malachi kind of got rolled up on in the third quarter. And it looks like he's probably going to miss the game. Strong still nursing that injury. But as far as the depth chart goes, the only big changes besides Malachi going out, Tucker Holloway is now the number one punt returner. And there is no more chance black on the kick returning duties. I wonder why that is. I can't imagine what uh, what what could be the, uh, the, the rationale for that. But it, yeah, where that is continues to be a one of our more fun. All of the special teams is just a bit of a dumpster fire right now. Is probably the best way to put it. Uh, it's and I I don't I feel like we have to. It's this bad that I want to retire kind of the Beamer Ball like mantra like that. I I don't know that it should still be continuing. You know what I mean? Like there's no because the announcers always say it. They say it all. Game. They say it all the time. Like it's yeah. like you know that's what they go back to. Um, and, and whenever uh, we're having a bad game on special teams, they're like, this is uncharacteristic of Beamer Ball. And it's like, 
Yeah, okay. Beamer hasn't been the coach since since 2015. I'm like, I'm like Beamer's like over eating a milkshake in Castle Coliseum right now. I, I don't know what we're we're doing here, but yeah, maybe I know, and it 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 is part of our history. Yes, and so and Stu Holt is not doing a good job of even upkeeping what Shabest did because Shabest was a very good special teams coach yes. and had us respectable most years, yeah. uh, especially with in the kicking game, I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, returns have been spotty at times, but the kicking game's always been strong. Yeah, I guess it's it's just weird when um, there's not a lot of programs where like the style of football is so pervasive that it just carries on for years and years uh-huh. and probably, you know, decade, you know, where like it's just – it's just typified as, as like, you know, a, that style of football is supposed to still be relevant even after changes of coaches. Anyway, I just, just a thought. No, that's a good aside. And the funny thing is, as soon as we're good at special teams again, yeah. the announcers are going to be like, Beamer ball is back. <laughs> that's, <exactly. laughs> that's the first thing they're going to do. They're not going to give any credit mm. to the new coach or the new special teams coach. It's right. just going to be Beamer ball, baby. Mm-hmm. Um, we moved to number 91 in the SP+. Plus. I think that's our lowest of the season. I'm not quite sure, but it might be. 117th on offense, 49th on defense. The defense has really dropped. And then 49th on special teams. That's finally starting to marry up with what we've been seeing because it, it was sticking at around 30, and I couldn't tell you why. Mm-hmm. Uh, 91 in FPI as well. So the FPI actually got a little bit better as the S&P got worse, and now they're even. As far as our strength of schedule goes, we were talking a little bit about how it's terrible. And then BC... Our lone FBS win went out and lost to UConn this week. <laughs> oh my goodness! Yeah, that's uh, that's tough. And UConn is is arguably the the worst football program of like the last eight years. I think you would have to right. They're having a little bit of a better year this year, but yeah, over the decade, like after Randy Etzel left the first time, like they have not been good. Right. Right. Yeah. It's uh, that's tough. That's tough for us. So. I have one kind of random news and note, and that's Hokey Hoops starts next week, man. Oh, <laughs> There's a game on the seventh, nine p.m. A, we play Delaware State. That's uh, it's it's come so quick. Uh, I don't mm-hmm. know. I feel like it's and it couldn't come soon enough. That's for sure. We uh, need it. We need it <laughs> yes. badly. Um, let's just hope we don't do anything like atrocious uh and lose against anybody like really bad too early in the season that's what um that that would not the fans do not need that no we don't need that. the much. other loss for notre dame by the way was stanford, stanford. yeah I, I looked it up yep all right so what we're going to do this week is we are going to give you the game recap and then we're going to play the calls because the calls will kind of give the instant reaction to our game recap and then we'll give our analysis that we normally give but the first half was so bad. It was three to nothing, NC State at the half. It really could have been zero zero, and even there was a point where NC State missed the field goal, and I could have sworn Brent Price's two hands were going to go up, and we were going to get a repeat of the zero zero image. Did um, you have that sense? I had, I very much, and it would have been on the internet so quickly. Oh my god, yeah, yeah it would have been so bad. <laughs> but he didn't raise his arms, and then they got the field goal anyway. So three nothing at the half. Third quarter though. Hokies offense came out of nowhere. We went 78 yards on six plays to take a 7-3 lead, and that was when uh, Grant ran it in. And we scored again on our next drive on the 85-yard reception by Caleb Smith. It was the longest play of our season and the longest play of the ACC season, I'm pretty sure. 
We added another TD two drives later after a five-play 65-yard drive. That was the second rushing TD by Wells. 21-3 Hokies. We're feeling good, but I'm sure every Hokie fan was worried about the comeback. MJ Morris to the rescue. Yes, a freshman quarterback gets in there for NC State. They got seven back real quick on the pass to Thomas. They added two more Morris TD passes early in the fourth. Our big lead was gone in about 12 minutes. And we simply couldn't do anything on our last few drives. And the Hokies lost 22-21. to It was rough to watch that comeback. But rather than give our story of the game at this moment, let's go to those calls. It's fun. I'm watching the 21 to three right now in the third quarter, so I'm kind of scared that we're gonna we're gonna choke. But hopefully we don't. Listen every week. Go Hokies. Grant Wells actually looks really good. Pete and Robbie went to the game. I have never seen a worse half of football in person, and then I've never seen a worse collapse. Unbelievable. We totally snatched. Defeat from the jaws of victory. We had a 94.8% chance of winning in the third quarter. And I looked at my fiance and I said, can I bet against that? Because I knew we were going to melt down somehow. I started a Let's Go Hokies chant and it was magical. And then that fourth quarter. Oh, we're up 21 to three. We've got the other team. They're rotating second and third string quarterbacks and we decide to come out and throw the ball. And to have a headache, I feel awful, and uh, I regret what happened. Look, you gotta be able to play a full game. 18 point lead to a true freshman quarterback off a bye week. Just call for a damn fair catch. Secure the football as best you can, and just take the ball to the 25 yard line. If you do that, we don't have our last two, our two biggest possessions in the fourth quarter, inside of the, our own 10-yard line. And then it's like the whole team forgot to play in the fourth quarter. They forgot how to play. What happened there? What's going on? This is this is very strange. This was a winnable game. Yeah, go ahead and talk me in the camp that is saying that Pry and the entire staff is probably not it. Owen is done, in my opinion. Rudolph, you've got to do something about those penalties. I don't think this is all on Pry. But he is testing my damn patience. Just think of Brent Pry and his happy-go-lucky ways, and he just needs to light a fire under those boys' ass because something's not working, and I'm sick of it. You remember when Lefty, like, uh, fucked around and he, he decided to install the pistol two weeks before the season and, and, and goddamn offense couldn't get a first down until, like, the fourth quarter? This is worse than that, fellas. But, uh, yeah, I'm just going to get high on the swing set. I think you need to change your introduction at the beginning of the podcast. Uh, this has become a ranking league football team. I've been donating for so long, <laughs> and like I don't get any benefit out of it. I'm done. I'm falling, falling all my money into basketball. I don't know. I'd recommend people get into apple picking or something to take up their fall Saturdays. I don't have a swing set. I don't have kids. Um, but my neighbor down the street has both. Maybe I just go down there and... And, and snag a swing from them, but um, I don't know, man. I'm I'm out of answers. I'm out of solutions. I'll 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 hang up and listen to you guys this week. Thanks. A lot of calls this week. Some good ones. Some depressing ones, though. In there, Robbie. Yes, <laughs> there. 
you can you can hear the tone and the tenor like just a little bit of a change now that we've gotten gotten into the real meat of the pain uh but um yeah but th- there was some funny stuff in there the, there was the, the, the guy that went to the game yes and he was like i started a go hokies chant and i was feeling great <laughs> And now I regret what happened. <laughs> that, <laughs> that was the pistol was comment. Good. There was some good stuff in there. Like oh that. yeah, the lefty teaching us the pistol week before the season. Yeah. My my buddy Hartman called in. He was the one that was like, "We had a ninety five percent chance of winning." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he's like, "I'm just." He was like, "I'm done with it. I'm funneling all my money to basketball, <laughs> <laughs> reallocating all, all the resources are are changing to uh, you know bring those funds back into basketball. Basketball is going to be loving it if, the, if those funds get reallocated." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then the last guy who's like, "I don't have a swing set. <laughs> I don't have kids." But I'm gonna go see what my neighbor's got. <laughs> so I mean, this brings up a good. Okay, people, be careful. Okay, don't just go into people's backyards all stoned and be riding around on you know you know on people's swing sets because we're depressed about the Hokies games. I mean, that's a good way to get shot or something. You know, careful. That's right. You got to be make sure you ask first yes. before before you get all fucked up and go sit on your neighbor's <laughs> swing set. Yeah, yeah. You know it's coming too. You're like, hey, we got a game against NC State. I'm gonna you know probably smoke some weed right around you know <laughs> halftime which would have been probably about the time you really really need it and i'll be on your swing set like you know later this afternoon <laughs> right 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 so make sure you give us a call next week if you want to get in on the reactions it's 540-251-2169 and thank you to everyone that called we really appreciate it, it gives a little texture to the show so the story of the game i would say was us hanging with a tough team was number one. Yeah. The building of the big lead and then the blowing of the lead. It was kind of a three-part story. Yeah. And there might be some other stuff thrown in there, too. <laughs> it was very kind of the team to give us a proper three-act structure to uh, this <laughs> this whole thing. Um, yeah. it, and it felt very much that way. Uh, that is certainly the story of the game. I think the um, story of the game was two absolutely abysmal rushing performances either good rush defense if you want to characterize it that way uh we had 50 yards i believe on uh how many carries did we end up having um i don't have it in front of me well, but we anyway. only had 50 plays total. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> yes so 50 yards i think it was on like 26 carries but we outgained per on a per rush basis we had 1.9 yards per rush and nc state only had or 1.8. So um, I you know take that for what it's for what it's worth. But it was um, it was tough. Grant Wells, uh, you know, was you know pretty good on the, on the deep ball. I guess it was it was really just a big big player bust kind of night. Is the right. probably the best way to to characterize it? Yeah, it was eight drives of less than eight yards for the Hokies. There was 12 drives in the game. Eight of them went for eight yards or less or seven yards or less. And then in the third quarter, we had 250 yards. Mm-hmm. And so like our yards per play, it was the highest of our season wow. in this game, even though we had eight drives of less than eight yards. It, so really weird stuff. And Grant Wells only completed 11 passes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, like we ran so few plays. Yeah. That's why that 85-yard play brings us up to the six yards per play that we had in the game. Like without that, obviously all the stats look worse, but we got it. And so, you know, you, you take it all together and, and Wells's numbers, if you look at his QBR, highest of the year. I know. Like what? what? After that first half, he had his highest QBR of the year. Like 
it's it's very odd. And I would say I came out of the game thinking like he played pretty well. Like for against that defense, like it was a okay performance for sure. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I guess it, it was a it was an okay performance. Some good throws downfield. Some really really outstanding catches. Uh, Malachi had the the outstanding catch on yeah. this diving catch. Um, I, th- I think that knocked the wind out of him when he like caught that and fell um, right on the ball. Yeah, he needed was, a, he was, a breather after that one. Yeah, he was he was a little bit gassed. And then Caleb Smith, um, he had the first the eighty five yard long touchdown um, where there was a little bit of push off on the defender, uh, but it was didn't get flagged and uh, it was pretty nice catch. And then he had another long one um, a little bit later in the game. So. Uh, it was it was a weird night given what we've had. So Caleb Smith had three catches for 141 yards. Um, you know, Wright had two for 46, and Malachi had two for 34. It's just like, okay, what is going on here? So it was it was very strange in the offense uh, side of things. Yeah, I mean, you could you could pick anything like us going one of 11 on third down. I saw, yeah, and that some, was incredible. And then somehow having an 18 point lead, like that's very abnormal. You know, the 250 of our 290 yards coming in one quarter, very abnormal. The 10 false starts, that didn't help anything. And I know it was loud, but man, like that was something that had a lot of people twisted inside out after this one. It was like, how on earth do you commit that many? Yeah. And every offense, every starting offensive lineman had a false start. So that was a nice little, <laughs> that was a nice tidbit to add to that. So Jesus. That, um, you know, I met with um, one of the, uh, you know, the donation leads for right after on Friday. So we were talking about the game and he said the same thing. He said, I've been hearing from a lot of the donors and honestly, what really everybody's pissed off about more than anything else is uh, all the penalties at this point. Mm-hmm. So th- that is. That's not cool at, at a certain point there. And I know probably talked about it a little bit in the presser, but it it's, it's been pervasive throughout the, throughout the season at this point. Yeah. And we keep thinking that we're out of it, right? We had just a few against Miami, just a few, the following game, like we're, we're, we're getting there, whatever. And then we have a night like that where it's a, just an utter disaster of false starts, something that seems so preventable. It's not just, Oh, a couple guys got a hot head and we had personal fouls. It's like, it's false starts. Like that just, that just shouldn't happen. And uh, Brian Siglia of Boundary Corner and French were kind of going back and forth on Twitter a little bit about it. And they're both former college football offensive linemen. And what Siglia was saying was that, you know, people were talking about coming off a bye. You shouldn't have all these false starts. But he said it was never anything coaches did that makes me that made me jump off sides. I jumped off side because I was getting beat and was focused on getting a step. And then French said, or or you forget the snap count. Mm-hmm. And and maybe the defensive guys are kind of messing with you. And I think that was definitely happening. And that French finished off the thought though with you need to create accountability for the false starts. And mistakes are fine, but you have to create a culture where the attention to detail matters. And that's on the coaches. And attention to detail is is really what that's all about. I understand, like, you're going to have games where you have too many and there's just nothing you can do. Mm-hmm. But I felt like there was some good perspective in that back and forth uh, from two guys that played the position. And I don't know how you fix it. I don't think it's, like, an easy fix. But I think if Rudolph is as good as we think he is, this won't be a problem down the line. And that there's still 
that's a tough place to play. It's a night game in Raleigh. Like it's loud, whatever it was 10 too many. Absolutely. But I don't think it's something that long term we're going to have to worry about. Interestingly, the gentleman that I met with was also an offensive lineman that played um, in college. So uh, he chimed in with almost the same thing. You know, people were asking him what was up with it. And he said, this isn't about, it's not, especially not Rudolph. He's like, you don't, that kind of thing is not a Rudolph uh, situation. He said, it's really a coach accountability, attention to detail, overall type of situation. So um, very much the same perspective, uh, which is you and I, I, I hadn't seen that Twitter thread. So it's kind of cool to have kind of three different people play the position, all have the same thoughts on it. For sure. You talked about Caleb and, and his 141 yards. He's up to 569 on the year now. And before the year, we were saying, we think he can get to 700. And with the four games we have coming up, like, if he has one more game like he did yesterday, he'll get there easy. Yeah. So I am continued to be impressed with him. And I wanted to focus on that bright spot because there's plenty to talk about here coming up that's not so bright. But he really has been awesome. He tied Zay Flowers for the most catches over 30 yards in the ACC during the game. I don't know if Zay ended up with another one this past Saturday, but... I mean, gosh, that's, that's awesome. really impressive uh, to be basically like the best big play guy in the conference when he's not really a speed killer. Right. Yeah, that's not – he was moving on that down the sideline. But he was moving. He, but he's not – yeah, he's not known for, for his speed. So it was – his. he's had a good season amidst a lot of um, a lot of difficulties on the team. And who knows? I mean, if he, if he pops off two of those games, then he could be staring down the potential of, of approaching the thousand yard you know, season. I know. I mean, it can add crazy. up quick yeah. if you get hot, right? Yeah. So that's awesome. Uh, let's go to the defense. Uh, they were great until we got up by 18 points. Yeah, and then, <laughs> like, then they blacked out and forgot like what they were doing. Yeah. Just, and if, even after the game, you look at the overall stats, like, 4.6 yards per play for NC State. We had four TFL, a couple sacks, a forced fumble, five pass breakups. Like, the numbers look good. And if you told me before the game, oh, you're going to go down to Raleigh, you're going to give up 22, and you'll be in the game. I'd be like, all right, I'll take it. Mm-hmm. But the way we collapsed and the the fact that it was their third-string quarterback, mm-hmm. uh, who is a freshman, it – People were pissed, and they deserve to be pissed. Like, that should not happen when we have a defensive-minded head coach and you're up like that in the fourth quarter. It it sucks. Like, but I think you agree with this. Like, this team, they have never learned how to win. In fact, they've only learned how to lose in excruciating ways. (laughs) And so it definitely – if you go back to Fuente years, you know what I mean? And that needs to be coached out of them and before you can coach it out of them i guess you need to experience it with them because we've experienced it now against odu kind of and now against nc state yeah you gotta experience with them maybe some commiseration or just like hey we're like in a bad spot and then quickly get over the commiseration to well what the hell are we going to do about it Right? Are we just going to kind of right. stay here and keep getting the shit kicked out of us, or or not even the shit kicked out of us? We lost by one point in this game, but it's if you culminate the whole season, it is kind of an ass kicking, right? If you I look mm-hmm. at the season on a on a on a whole, and I don't know. I think 
it's tough. Do you, do you want a coach that's really just going to kind of make everybody miserable and just, you know, ride everybody's ass at this point in the season and kind of, you know, be, be that way knowing that there's a real heavy ceiling on what this team could do or somebody that um, is trying to hold the team together, at least, you know, with duct tape and going to kind of finish off the season that way and hopefully reset for next year. I don't know. I think that, I think Pry's handling it the best way that he can because we, we talked about how he just knows he's he's not playing with the good hand, right? Yeah. Like it's – so what are you going to do? You're going to get screaming everyone's face all season long while, while they're losing these tough games, getting beat by Pitt at the end, getting crushed by UNC. You can't do that. And one of our callers, a couple of our callers, talked about like, you know, pry has got to do this and I'm sick of the way – you know, his, he's happy-go-lucky, and I get I get the frustration. Sometimes after a tough loss, you want to see the coach mad. Mm-hmm. But I, I do think that this is the best way to handle this team right now. And when I said, like, he, he needs to experience it with them in terms of the close loss, he needs to diagnose the problem of mm-hmm. why these guys are losing these close games, right? Yep. And seeing it firsthand is some sometimes the only way you get that experience. <laughs> That's right. And, and then the good coaches, they lose close. And then they win close and then they win big, right? Yeah. I mean, that that's the old one of the old sayings. Mm-hmm. And so I'm hoping that this is the learning experience that these excruciating losses where you piss down your leg when you have a big lead, that's what they lead to, right? Mm-hmm. You you learn from them and you figure out how to not let it happen again. Yeah. No, I think that's a, a very astute way to look at it. Let's talk about some of the players on defense because this freshman corner, mm-hmm. Mansoor Delaney, Dude, he's a beast. He is. I, I, who would have Who would have thought it? Right, going into the season and um, talk about stepping up, and he's having. Yes, he, he he's having a season for him. I mean, it, even if the numbers are good and they're good in every game, but I, I don't even know if they do justice to you know the position that he was put in and you know him coming out and and what he's done so far this far of the season. Yeah, the fact that he's a true freshman yeah. and that he was nicked up yeah. and wasn't like at full health in the offseason. Ten tackles in this game, two more pass breakups. He now has four pass breakups in his first five games as a college athlete. And the sad thing is, other than him and due to some injuries, our pass defense since the BC game really mm-hmm. has been atrocious. Like yeah. re- outside of Mansoor, like it's, it's re- really poor. Like, the passer rating for the opposing quarterbacks since BC, it's in the 140s. Yeah. Like, that, that is really, like, that's bad for our secondary. It has been been rough. And in this one, we saw a true freshman go off for 265 and three touchdowns in what wasn't a full game, Yeah, right? It, so that something's got to change with regard to the secondary. I, I know we've been missing strong, but there's veterans back there. And it's a mess. Yeah, it is not. Strong was a key piece, but he was not the only piece that we were expecting to come out there and, and perform this year, given the level of experience that we had. So it it's a bit too convenient to pin it all on the not having Strong in there. It, mm-hmm. it, there I think there is more that needs to be fixed than just that. Tisdale had a nice game, 11 tackles for him and a sack. What really, this is the story of the season with these games, is that at the end of these games, we can't close them out because we're exhausted. And this one was particularly bad because they had 12 extra minutes of time of possession. 
They they ran 27 more plays than we did. We scored too fast when we did score. <laughs> and then we got off the field too fast when we didn't score. Yeah, that is it's just brutal. Um overall, I think is probably my my number one takeaway. It's I'm just I'm so unemotional about it at this point that I I think I think that the even when the offense now in this game we had the offense kind of get a decent sized spark and then the defense let them down. Like, and I know that it needs to be looked in totality and what the defense did in the first half, but they can't they can't put it all together at the right at at the same time right now. That's and that's pretty brutal. Yeah, I, I would say yeah. I'm I'm disappointed about the game. I wasn't super super mad at the end, and I know a lot of Hokie fans were, and that's a perfectly acceptable emotion to have after that game. I just don't think winning that game changes our season one way or the other in terms of how I view it. What I took away from it and what I'm going to try to focus on is the fact that it was the third straight game where we were competitive almost all the way throughout against a conference opponent. Mm -hmm. And for this team with the talent level we have, I'd say that's a step in the right direction. I put the thing out like we went down to North Carolina a few weeks ago, played a ranked team, got our teeth kicked in. Yeah. That's this true. time we had an 18 point lead in the third quarter. I mean that that's a significant improvement. I know UNC and NC State are not the same team, mm-hmm. but they're both road games. They're both ranked. Like it it's it was to me a sign of improvement. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure how much and I know there's issues, but it was a sign of improvement. And my feeling about us getting a win, I mean gosh, like that was the right feeling. Like mm-hmm. I I I was texting with you and Joe before the game. I said it on the pod. I was like I feel like we're close. I thought it was Pitt. I thought it was Miami. I thought it was NC State. Well, let's hope it's Georgia Tech for God's sake. <laughs> <laughs> you've had a you've had quite the feelings the past uh, few games, and uh, yeah, this one did hurt the most. I'll say that for yeah. sure. But gosh, man, we were we were right there. Um, let's do a quick beer break before we talk about Georgia Tech. Uh, but before we do that, I want to talk about our sponsor, Downtown Crown Wine and Beer and Dominion Wine and Beer. You know, today's November 1st, so Thanksgiving's in a couple weeks. The pumpkin beers are starting to phase out. We're getting closer to dark beer season. However, I am having my last pumpkin beer of uh, on the podcast tonight, so that'll be the last one. But you, you still can. Up until Thanksgiving, still drink your pumpkins, but we're getting close. And Downtown Crown and Dominion have the best selection for all those winter beers, both on tap and on the shelves. Uh, and we, we talk about being able to sit outside at Dominion. Uh, they have the tents. They'll keep you warm in there. You can get some food. And then before you head out, grab some Virginia beer at Dominion or grab some, some awesome craft cans of what Maryland has to offer up in Gaithersburg at Downtown Crown. And you'll be all set up. And don't forget they have wine as well for, for you or your wife, whatever you guys like to drink. They, they've got you covered. Beer and wine needs. Make sure you hit up both of those stores this season. Robbie, for right now, I need to know what you're drinking. So I am having the Creatives IPA, non-alcoholic beer. Uh, it's a juicy West Coast style um, beer by Surreal Brewing Company. It is good. It's kind of one of the few um, style beers, being like a West Coast beer um, in the non-alcoholic uh, realm, that really kind of fits the narrative of what it's like being called. Like if it's some of them are like kind of juicy IPAs, they're not really, or they're 
um, say that they're a West Coast, but don't really have that West Coast um, real hop depth to them. But this one actually does, um, and and has kind of that that flavor with the flavor in it. So it's uh, it's pretty good. So surreal. Are brewing you company. a West Coast fan in general? Not a huge one. Not when I when I was drinking um, real alcoholic beer, then I would I was leaning a lot more towards like the hazy IPAs. I liked kind of that East Coast um, hazy style, just because. I don't know. I like the kind of fruit flavor of it or like that um, citrusy kind of um, bit to it where it's West Coast beers are always a little bit more dank, I guess is probably the best way that I always, you know, when people are thinking about how to, you know, kind of characterize those. Um, But I still like them. I like and I like mixing them up. It's awesome to go to like a brewery and get like a West Coast and then jump forward and like have like a hazy IPA. I feel like those are so uh, different in within their same realm of a beer that they're really, really good. They have a bite to them, yes. right? Like the West Coast have that that bitter bite, yes. but it's it's enjoyable, enjoyable, especially, I think, in hot weather. I like a West yes. Coast IPA. Yeah, exactly. I am drinking the Brooklyn Brewery Post Road Pumpkin Ale. This one's been out for a long time. The Brooklyn Brewery, everyone knows it. And when I was in Brooklyn for the ACC title game, that's what I was drinking when we took on Duke. Um, but the post road, it's okay. It's not my favorite pumpkin beer. I saw it. I haven't had it in a couple years, so I grabbed it. 5% alcohol. It's a little bit more carbonated than I would prefer. When you think of a pumpkin, you, you think of like a little bit less carbonation, a little bit more, not like a stout, but maybe on that porter side, like Mm -hmm. porters have more carbonation than a stout and then lagers and, and ales will have the most carbonation. I expected, uh, this to be smoother, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. And so it's fine. The flavor's fine. But if I was drinking a couple, I think I would like this. For If I'm having one pumpkin beer, this isn't what I'm going to choose. Like th- This is more of like, oh, I'll pound a couple and watch the game. I, uh, and that's it. No more pumpkin beers for me. All right, listeners. <laughs> that's the last one for the. Okay. We're on. We're November first. Like I, I'm. I'm calling it for the podcast. We'll, All right. We'll move on to other stuff. All right. I'm. I'm. <laughs> I'm, now you can go straight to winter lager, so I yeah, just jump that's, that's right, right jump right into it. Uh, let's talk about Georgia Tech, Robbie. We got the Tecmo Bowl, 11-5, 12-30 p.m. This is another RSN game. Hopefully our, our listeners can find it easily. <laughs> I know last time it was on RSN, we were all worried about it. You texted me, you're like, it's on the ESPN app. Yes. And I was able to just like pull it up. And I'm not local to D.C., so I don't know how that varies, but... I was able to get it pretty easily. So I'm hoping that happens again. That's a good uh, point. I did not click on it to see if I would get like a blackout for it. So uh, I might be leading people astray there. Uh, even though it worked for you, it may not work for others. So Yeah, we'll have to find out. That's the worst part, right? Is yes. that we just don't even know until the game kicks off. Like, where is it? Yep. Oh, God, I hate this crap. And I think the same thing for the Duke game. That's oh, what they just did. And it's, it's another RSN game. It's outrageous. But anyway. Uh, three and five are the Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets. Two and three in the conference. They fired their coach this year. You might have heard something about that. Jeff Collins got canned finally. He was trying to have that five-star culture down in Atlanta, pull <laughs> all those top guys. Uh, it didn't work out. No. And now they have interim coach Brent Key. They won two in a row when he got the nod. Mm-hmm. But they've since lost to UVA and Florida State. They got They got killed by Florida State. Uh, there are other losses, no shame in any of them. It was Clemson, Old Miss, and UCF. But losing to UVA isn't a great look this year. No, it's not. And that old, just 
that Ole Miss was a drubbing. That was like a 43 nothing game. So Yeah, they I, didn't it, score. They, I they, did, they didn't have a, a touchdown. That was part of the reason that he ended up getting getting fired. There was a lot there. Uh, but losing UVA, this is coming from us being a bad program. UVA is very bad this year. So that is not a good look. And it's a little bit strange because – Duke was putting together a decent season. That's a pretty good win. Pitt, you know, we know is feisty. They put them down. And then to go out and lose that Virginia game. FSU, I get it. It was in Tallahassee, right? Like, we know that they have talent. But uh, I was left scratching my head a little bit in that that UVA loss that that they took. But, you know, part of that could just be you know, the interim coach thing rearing its head uh, for, for... Yeah, they can't... They couldn't keep it up forever, right? right. They got two unexpected wins. They were going to lose one. Mm-hmm. And UVA has been playing just a little bit better. Just a little bit. Of course, did you catch any of the quadruple overtime thriller <laughs> no, I, this past weekend? I caught the recap on one of the on one of the podcasts. I can't remember what it was where they said it was just like a flat like if you look at the um the win probability it was just like a flat line at like 50%. And then like all of a sudden it just like shot up to like Miami, like winning. Like there's, that's how much action was in the game. It was just like, it was like a dead person that just got like the paddle, like all of a sudden and the, you know, the heartbeat went. I don't know how you play four overtimes and the final score is 14 to 12. Like that, <laughs> think about that's eight periods of play. Right, four regular quarters and then four overtimes, and in those eight periods, you averaged less than two points per period. <laughs> it's incredible. The whole that, that so the winner averaged less than two points per period. Yeah, and in the four overtimes, the the fact that they couldn't score in overtime is just even more. It's I don't so know. We we are tossing rocks from a very I very know, dangerous glass house right now, but. We can at least uh, we we are experiencing it, so we are we know bad when we see it, and that is bad. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Georgia Tech. Speaking of bad, ninety seventh in SP plus one hundred six on offense, eighty third on D, eighty nine on special teams. So they're not good at anything in particular. Uh, ninety seven in the SP plus is worse than our ninety one. It's one of the only team. I think it's the only team left in our schedule that is worse than us. So I will. I will gladly uh, take that because we need we need this win. Honestly, this is a home game. We're not going to get many chances. We're going on the road at Duke and Liberty, and like both those teams look solid. UVA at home is another, I guess, the second most winnable game left. But this is yeah. the one. Like yeah. it, we came close last week, kind of close against Miami, kind of close against Pitt. We have to have this one. And if you look at their offense, it, it's. I mean, Jeff Sims is injured. Yes. He didn't play last game. He might yeah. play this game. I think he is going to play. So he, he yeah. played full, and I think uh, Brent Key came out and said that he's full go, and they're standing behind okay. him. But, you know, we've had people say that kind of stuff in the past and seen, you know, the, that pivot. So, so we'll see. Yeah, we thought we were going to get Jack Chambers last week, and, you know, yeah. we get this true freshman come in and, and look like a killer. So Sims will probably play. He's not good. He's five TDs, three interceptions on the year. He's a runner. He's 302 rush yards, less than 42 QBR, 113 rating. I mean, he can't pass. He can't pass the ball. Now, maybe on our secondary, he'll find find a little something. But if I'm worried about Sims in any way, it's his legs. Yes, it's him running the ball. And uh, 
and he really is their threat. So Sims, he's got 87 carries, like you said, 300 yards. Uh, Hassan Hall uh, has 80, only has 83. So he's got four less carries. He's got 417 yards. So it's really uh, the two of them, and and he is he's the more probably dangerous, just given the ball. He's got the ball in his hands, uh, threat in the in the run game. But that's that's really it. Um, and they do not have. They've got three wide receivers at best. They have a bunch of guys that have kind of onesie twosie catches here and there, but there's not much that he's throwing to either than this in this wide receiving core. The only thing I noticed about the wide receivers was Jenkins and Carter are tall. Like Jenkins mm-hmm. in particular, he's listed at six seven. That's yeah, and huge. he's he's not a tight end. He's listed as a wide receiver, six seven, two forty three. Um, not so many catches. He's only averaging like a catch and a half, two catches a game, but in the red zone, he has three touchdowns. So like he's, he's scoring for them. Um, that could be something to look out for their offensive line. If you look at the advanced stats, they're 89th in average line yards, 126th in TFL allowed. They're allowing a ton of tackles for loss, which is just music to our ears. Uh, so other than Sims running the ball, maybe the, the couple of the running backs, uh, getting in there I'm not worried about the offense and in fact like with the way we've been defending the run against everyone not named Abinaconda yeah like I, I'm really not concerned about this offense no um, it does not spook me um, at all uh, and, and there really hasn't been you know for them a great offensive performance this season it's been you know their defense has really shown up and kind of carried the day for them in a few games and that's kind of led to a w but um you know 10 points against clemson they had 35 against uh western carolina but like for the most part they're scoring a dreaded number but like 16 something like that 16 to 20 points a game so yeah it's almost last in fbs now they've played a tough schedule Mm -hmm. but like 127th in FBS is still 127. Like yes. they, they're that's their scoring offense. It's it's very poor. Moving to the defense, 83rd, so a little bit better in terms of the SP plus ranking. Uh, I noticed about them, their secondary is much better than last year. Last year they had an awful secondary. This year they're 45th in opposing passer rating, so above halfway. Mm-hmm. But their rush yards per carry. 96th and the fact that malachi is missing this game probably really sucks i i i don't know why our running backs can't stay healthy Keyshawn king's been in and out malachi has now been out in and back out again uh but if king plays we should be able to rack up some rushing yards in this game yeah i mean that would be the the hope um i I will say the one stat that did jump out to me is they're pretty even in terms of the disruption on them so they have nine interceptions uh nine force fumbles uh as well so uh, i think that um you know they're able to create a little bit of havoc and balance a little bit but it, it is obvious that their 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 rush defense is is not the uh it's not going to carry much water for him, and it's just a matter of us being able to put something together and take advantage of it, I think. Yeah, they are creating havoc to the tune of number three in turnover margin in the yeah, country. 
number wow. three. And now we know that that's a little bit of luck, mm-hmm. but man, that is crazy high to be third for such a bad team. Yeah. Well, that's maybe that's all the more like how bad they actually are. If they weren't number three in turnover margin, they'd yeah. probably be a nightmare. Yeah, they would. <laughs> yeah, that, that's probably a good way to put it. That it, it's a little deceiving to the eyes because you uh, you think the team's actually worse, and that's keeping them in, in some games or some spots that they wouldn't be otherwise. The other thing you'll like to hear is they are 97th in plays of 20-plus yards. They're giving up a ton of big plays. So we should be able to move the ball on this team. They've got some good linebackers in Charlie Thomas and, and Ely. Both of those guys can play. Uh, Ely's averaging like 10 tackles a game. Like He's he's good. He's got 9.5 TFL on the year, but it's just two guys. Like it, It's yeah. not a strong defense overall, and we should be able to move the ball both ways. Um we want to move to overall analysis and keys in my notes. I had Malachi should have a nice day. This is before I saw the news today. So, but regardless, who's ever running the ball, they should be okay. And it should help make Wells comfortable. And one of the things we've been trying to do is play action. Mm -hmm. And in this game, a little bit of play action might actually work. I got to go back to the penalties in this game. I just, it's fundamental for me to, to look at that and see it as that being, the critical piece because it, it comes, I think, back to what we were talking about in the attention to detail and that being so significant. And I feel like if you can negate that and get past that lingering, you know, hiccup that we keep having, then um, it's really going to show a focus. This team is not good, right? Georgia Tech is not good. And we are not a great team either. But I feel like if we can kind of stay in that zone, we didn't have any turnovers against NC State check like we got that you know relatively taken care of but now it's time to just get rid of these stupid penalties make sure you got the snap count right and stop doing it and putting ourselves in like a first and 27 all the time it's just you know it's 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 so damaging and it's causing so much trouble that there's no way to make progress in in the offense really meaningful progress when we're we're killing ourselves yeah and the not turning the ball over against nc state wasn't for lack of trying because on those kickoffs, That's right. it got a little bit dicey there. Uh, I should, I, defensively, we should hold this Georgia Tech team down for four quarters. They lack depth just like we do. So this whole wearing down at the end and letting it all fall apart, like that really shouldn't happen here mm-hmm. because they're, they're just as poor as we are in that department. So their decent running game plays into our strength on D. Let's just go out there play a clean game like you said and we should win if we play a clean clean game ish we should win this game yep. and i told i said earlier i wasn't really so upset about the one point loss to nc state even though the way it happened but if we miss a bowl by one game mm-hmm. and we go five and seven yeah then then i'm gonna be a little bit out of shape yeah. but that that's still a long way off we have to win all the rest of our games to go to a bowl at this point yeah so that is but we wouldn't have to win all the rest of our games if we, we had, wouldn't have had. Uh, yes, yes. So we would have had a little bit of a uh, a buffer there. <laughs> Not a buffer. A little easier of a road. Uh, still yeah. a tough one, but a little bit easier. Um, but yeah, I think a clean game. You should walk away from this with a with a much much needed W. Uh, I think yeah. that'll do a lot for for the team and trying to finish off the year. I think so. If you can get a win going into Duke and. Liberty and UVA, it, it would help a lot, I think. Mm-hmm. All right, let's do the picks, man. There's a bunch of ACC games. I think all of the teams are in action this week. No buys. We got UVA 
taking on UNC. This one's in Charlottesville. UVA seven and a half point underdogs at home. Yeah, I'm taking UNC. I, I, it, yeah, it's a smelly. Yeah, it's a stinky line. Stinky line. I, stinky, I get it, stinky. but I don't care. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not taking that bait. Yeah, I think I got to roll with you on that one too. UNC, <laughs> Syracuse at Pittsburgh. Pitt three and a half point favorites over Syracuse, even though they're ranked. Uh, Pitt is, you know, it's funny that Narduzzi runs Whipple out of town. We've talked about it many times, and now Keaton Slovis is like second or third to last in QBR in the conference. They're absolutely terrible at that position. And last year, Kenny Pickett was outstanding, and it was all because of Whipple, because he wasn't good before he got there. Uh, It's just humorous to me, and I don't think Pitt's very good. The fact that they're favored, I think they're leaning a little too much into the fact that Syracuse just lost. Um, And I know Pitt will pit, but, like, I'm taking Syracuse. They They can, with that hook, I'm taking them. Um. Yeah, I think I think with the hook, it it makes it a good pull on Syracuse. I know it's at Pitt, but yeah, whatever. There's carrier, no carrier, the former place known as the Carrier Dome is much tougher to play than uh, than than what Pitt's got going on. Yeah, Florida State at Miami, the old rivalry. This one gets top billing on ABC, despite having two unranked teams, just like our game. But yeah. that's neither here nor there. Miami, seven and a half point underdogs at home. Throw the records out, I guess. <laughs> I, I, yeah. yeah. After seeing what FSU just did and, and that dismantling, I, 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 I'm going to go with FSU. I'll pick first. Yeah. I, I, it's a, a seven and a half point. There's a hook there on a game like this. Miami might just like wake up. I don't know. I, I can't shake the 14 12 game out of my head. I know, so man. that's tough for me to, to make a move on. Miami just, they're so not good. Mm -hmm. Like, if they cover this spread, it's only because they just played out of their minds because of the rivalry. And I'm not sure how much this means to those kids. It might mean a lot to Cristobal because he did play there, and he might be able to get that message across to them. Mm -hmm. I just have a real hard time taking Miami against any spread right now. I'm taking FSU. Clemson at Notre Dame. Now, this was preseason, a big game. And Notre Dame's taken a few losses, but they've bounced back. Four and a half point favorites. Narrow line. Mm-hmm. They're in South Bend. What do you think about this one? That's It's tough because Notre Dame has turned around a little bit. They had a nice BYU um, win. They had the nice win over Syracuse. They're shouldering two bad losses with Stanford and Marshall at home. And I don't think they want to embarrass themselves at home again. So I think that they keep this game close, but they still, that Clemson still covers the spread. So I think they probably can lose by a touchdown or something along those lines, but I don't think that, um, I don't think it's going to be, going to be enough here. Okay. So you're taking Clemson to cover. Yeah. Clemson to cover spread. See, Notre Dame and Marcus Freeman, they have actually performed really well in the big games. It's the Marshalls and the Stanfords that they've, and even UNLV that I talked about, that they've been worse. But when they have to play and they know they have to play, they've they've done well. They beat UNC yep. on the road. UNC's a good team. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm taking Notre Dame to cover yeah. four and a half. I don't know if they pull off the victory, but I think they can cover. I mean, look how well they played Ohio State. 
So I, I'm still kind of like hearkening back to that and the UNC rather than looking at the Stanford game. Mm-hmm. Wake at NC State. This is a matchup of two ranked teams. NC State, the team that just narrowly beat us, taking on those Demon Deacons as four and a half point underdogs at home with their new quarterback. I'll go first this time. All right. I'll take NC State. I think the win carries over for them a bit, and I think that drubbing. See now, now, mm. yeah, maybe Wake is going to be pissed because they turned the ball over so many times in that game. Yeah, that that Louisville game was a little fluky. Hmm. I'm taking Wake. I'm taking Wake to cover the four and a half. I'm switching my pick. I like it. <laughs> here's here's my math. We are a bad team, and NC State beat us by one point. My math yep. is now complete, so uh, <laughs> that's it. Now, that, that's kind of where I started to go once I was listening to myself. Uh, Liberty at Arkansas. I, I put this on there because we're playing Liberty in a couple weeks, and Arkansas has played the most bizarre schedule this year. They, they, it's yes. been all over the place. Um, 13 and a half point favorites are the Razorbacks at home, and they have been, like, working some teams. I'm going to take Arkansas. Like, they, they, they had a bad stretch for a few mm-hmm. games, but they they seem to be back on track. I'm taking the Razorbacks. Going with Liberty. Okay. Going with our Hugh, Hugh Freeze. Hugh you know, Freeze in, in the big in, game. In the, I mean, it's not yeah. a bad pick. I, I don't feel great about the 13 and a half, but yeah. I, Liberty, like, all of their advanced stuff says they're not very good. Yeah. But their record and the fact that they were close against Wake does say that they're good. I know. So I, I don't know. Bama at LSU. This is a big game in the SEC West. LSU, big underdogs, 13 points at home for a top 10 matchup, according to the playoff <laughs> rankings. A very stretch of a tab, top 10 matchup. The top 10 isn't what it used to be. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> so uh, this is a tough one to pick. Uh, it is. LSU it is. coming around, you know, I don't know. It's, I got to. I gotta. I'll go, go first. I'll go first. I'll, I'm gonna go with LSU. Okay. And it's because Bama has struggled on the road. Yeah, that's um, that's a good way to look at it. I will see your LSU and raise you a Bama. I'm going Bama. Okay. <laughs> okay. Right. And the final game, we had to save Crazy. the best one for last. Tennessee at Georgia. Georgia, eight and a half point favorites. Over the number one Tennessee Volunteers and Hendon Hooker. You know, when going into the Kentucky game, I thought Stoops would throw a look at Hooker that he might not have seen. Mm-hmm. And then basically on the first play of the game, Jalen Hyatt is like, you know, mm-hmm. just striding through the secondary with no one around him. Uh, don't know what Kentucky was fucking doing. Mm-hmm. I like Tennessee to cover. I think that's a tough team. And I know Georgia's going to do something too. They're going to try to confuse them, but... Heupel's been on top of it, man. He's scored at will on everybody, including Bama. Yep. Let's go with Tennessee. I have Tennessee. That's a that's a lot of points. Eight and a half. Um, seeing that it's eight and a half, I I feel like this is one Vegas is going to have very very right. I I think it's gonna it's gonna come in between six and and nine. Right. It's gonna yeah. be Vegas is gonna be on point. I feel like on this one. It's just what side are you are you going to end up? Being I mean, on it's going to take so much action. They have to be right. Yes, and uh, <laughs> I'm taking Tennessee. And if you think about the years that Tennessee and Georgia have had, like where Tennessee's biggest slip was Pitt, 
Yes. Right? Like they they had a struggle against Pitt, but they got the win. Georgia had a I think a worse struggle against Missouri. Yep. They even they though they beat Florida. Game. Yeah, they could have. They really could have lost it. Mm-hmm. And then uh, the Florida game, they had a nice lead most of the time, but they didn't quite put them down the way I thought they would. Mm-hmm. I, I know it was a big lead, but whatever. I, I just feel like Tennessee's been a little bit more impressive, yep. and I feel like they're going to cover those those eight and a half. Awesome. Well, uh, I that think... one's at 3.30. Our game's at 12.30, so you should be able to get in our entire piece of crap before you have to watch that one. <laughs> Oh, uh, it's gonna be it's gonna be a good game. If, even in our bad season, you gotta you gotta look at this and and be kind of excited for. Uh, I'm talking about Tennessee, Georgia, not our game. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> for those. This is. I thought you were talking about the Tecmo Bowl game. No, this is <laughs> this is a uh, audio medium, so people couldn't see Pete looking at me like, "What the hell are you talking about?" <laughs> I was referring to the Tennessee Georgia game. I wasn't talking about ours. Oh man. Yeah, definitely not. Uh I just I want to win. I want the for the kids, not for me. I want it for the locker room. I want it for Pry. Like we really need a win. Yes. If we don't get a win this week, things are going to get ugly. We already got people calling in saying Bowen is done, yeah. and I'm not sure I disagree. He may he may be done. He, they might turn over the call into somebody else. But we need a win for the locker room and secondly, we need it for the fans. We I agree. We, we really do. All right, you can hit us on Twitter. It's at 2DeepVT. 2DeepVT.com is our website. You can stream all of our episodes, check out all the beers we've had, and then make sure you subscribe on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. We also have some some big stuff coming in the off-season, some, a, a change-up to the pod. I think you guys will be excited about it. Uh, got some more information on that i got to share with Rob, but uh, it's going to be cool. In any case... Uh, Until next time, when we are hopefully celebrating our third win of the season, go Hokies. Hokies.